Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. You are listening to the Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Please follow us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. You can find all of our rankings and multiple articles at TCKpod.com. We've got a lot to cover, so let's get into it. What up, TCK Potters? Welcome back to the program. I'm your host, Sky Guasco. Joined today by my man Bobby Lamarco, a.k.a. Fantasy Football X-Factor. This is episode 267. Today we're breaking down the early slate of games. We have eight games on the docket. Bears, Falcons, Rams, Bills, football team, Browns, Titans, Vikings, Raiders, Patriots, 49ers, Giants, Bengals, Eagles, and Texans, Steelers. Tomorrow, Dwayne will be with us and we'll be breaking down the afternoon games as well as tomorrow night's game between the Dolphins and the Jacksonville Jaguars. But before we get into that, let's bring in our good man, Bobby DeMarco. Great to have you back, brother. How are you? Scott, what's going on, man? Very happy to be back. Thanks for having me. Yes, sir. Turns out, man, we had so much fun last week. You and I had a conversation, and we just decided, you know what? We're going to just do this every single Wednesday. If that's good with you, let's make it a weekly occurrence. And uh, you and I will break down the early games every single week. We'll get into a nice flow here. And then Dwayne and I will do all of the afternoon games. And then, of course, every Friday we bring in the Kamish crew as well. Our good friend Chris Benavides and the Kamish fantasy football team, uh, they are going to come in on, on um, Fridays. And I will do the Ballers and Stallers and the waiver article on Tuesday as well. So we got a nice flow here on the TCK pod. If you have not tuned into yesterday's podcast, I made a brief mention about it, but I did want to talk just one more minute about our current situation with Lucas uh, before we proceed, and then I will just kind of let it rest. Uh, Lucas, first of all, he's safe. He's healthy. Everything is great. Um, I don't mean to sound grim. He and I are on excellent, perfect terms. Uh, he's got some personal things going on. He needs to step away from the podcast. I super respect that. I'm a dad myself. Uh, I got a lot, of, a lot of things going on, a full-time job, plus a couple side hustles. I know all about being busy and having to put your things in order. So, Shouts out to Lucas. It's all love. Uh, we certainly support him on the podcast. Thankfully, Bobby has been gracious enough to come on. Dwayne, a.k.a. Dewey's Nuts, has come on. We got the Kamish crew as well. So it's a family affair always on the TCK pod. But Lucas has put in a year and a half plus on the podcast, on air, and behind the scenes, building the website, putting together so many spreadsheets for our incredible draft guide. Lucas is really like 90% of that. So I want to give credit where credit is due. Hopefully he'll be back uh, in, in, a, in a quick time manner. If he's not, uh, then of course we just, uh, we wish him the best. So it's all love. He and I are great. There's definitely no animosity or anything like that, but I just want to let everybody know what's going on. But Lucas has stepped away momentarily for, uh, from the podcast and uh, hopefully he's back soon, but we'll just have to play it by ear. So um, we're, uh, we're pulling for him and, uh, and hopefully all things are good on his side. But until then we got our boy uh, Bobby LaMarco in the place, AKA fantasy football X factor. Before we get into this, man, let them know once again where they can find your material. Yeah, you can find me pretty much everywhere, YouTube, uh, Instagram, Twitter, and also I'm on TikTok doing some videos too, at Fantasy Football X Factor, and on Twitter, at FFXFactor. Um, I also write on Razball.com, so it's football.razball.com. Pick out my shadow coverage report every week. I talk about top corner shadowing wide receivers, and then I also write for Expand the Box Score. Check out my opportunity analysis. I evaluate team dropbacks and understanding if there's a regression or progression in volume coming for these teams. So, yep. Excellent. Make sure you go find them, folks. And really what I've been most impressed about uh, with Bobby and I just kind of connecting over the last few weeks here, um, you know, we are very analytically based uh, here on the podcast. And you also are on your channels. And, of course, when you bring value here to, to the podcast, which I – so appreciate because there's a lot of podcasts out there and look, you know, no hate, all love and, and everyone's got their style, but there's a lot of podcasts out there that are kind of entertainment first one way or another, and then kind of statistics and analytics second. Uh, and look, whatever, you know, whatever gets the job done. I and Lucas and yourself and Dwayne 
uh, traditionally, certainly Curly and Daniel back in the day when we started the podcast, we're all pretty much analytically based. And we want to bring the numbers first and foremost. And I've always appreciated, Bobby, that you uh, you bring it extra extra with um, you know all the statistics and, and everything else. So I'm really looking forward to having you on on a consistent basis. All right, man, let's have some fun. We have eight games to get into here. Let's start with the Bears at the Falcons. The, man, the Bears are 2-0. and The Falcons are 0-2. I'm pretty sure three weeks ago, if you would have asked me what these teams' records were in week three, I would have said the opposite. The Falcons are 2-0, and and the Bears are 0-2. But sure enough, Mitch Trubisky is doing enough to get the wins. David Montgomery looks great. Looks like he never had a groin issue at all. Tariq Cohen not very involved, but he did just get paid. And then Allen Robinson, kind of a conundrum here. Anthony Miller's been the guy in the week one, and then Allen Robinson's only caught 40% of his targets, but he's caught 100% of his accurate targets. So obviously the quarterback's the issue there. Defense is playing well enough. On the other side, Matt Ryan's absolutely on fire. All three of these receivers are, are incredible weekly. Julio had a down week last week, but the Falcons, man, just can't get a W. It's insane. One of the biggest comebacks in recent history. Um, with the Cowboys last week uh, when the uh, Falcons basically had the game in the bag. So for fantasy purposes, the Falcons are off the charts and the Bears aren't necessarily. For NFL purposes, the Bears are off the charts and the Falcons aren't so much. What are we doing here with the Bears and the Falcons, man? Yeah, so I think it's a product of the games they played. So the Bears played a beat-up line secondary, and then they faced the Giants. And obviously, you know, those those two opponents aren't the best and then of course the Falcons blew a big lead against the Cowboys and they played the Seattle Seahawks in week one so I'm not really faulting it I think this is a trap game if people think that if you're just going to go on records I'm going to definitely I'm definitely going with the Falcons at home in this one I really like the fact that if you're looking at the Bears um, if you look at the Bears and if you're watching the uh, game with Trubisky you know what the weirdest thing about this whole thing is that Allen Robinson had a very bet down week Mitch Trubisky only completed 18 passes, which is half of what he did in week one. So right there, it's just like this fluctuation. When you're t- talking about a quarterback who's not accurate in general, and then he's only getting minimal attempts and minimal uh, completions, it's going to really hurt Allen Robinson. But when you dive into the actual team, it's Allen Robinson and everybody else from a route running target perspective. This is the type of game where Allen Robinson's going to cook. He's going to have a good game. You're going to see game folder on the road. The Falcons are going to be, you know, probably up in this game. I like Mitch Trubisky to bounce back from a supporting Allen Robinson thing. I'm never supportive of Mitch Trubisky necessarily unless he's playing Detroit. So I like Allen Robinson. He should bounce back. We saw the number ones uh, really dominate against the uh, Falcons. So we saw Julio. I mean, I'm sorry. We saw Cooper do pretty well. So I think Allen Robinson can really have a nice game in this matchup. The Outside of that, though, Darnell Mooney actually took over as the number two wide receiver. I have no clue why. Uh, Anthony Miller is a strictly a slot guy. He ran 17 of 17 routes from the slot. So he's clearly viewed as only an inside guy, and he, t- he fell behind Darnell Mooney. So that's just really weird. I-, I kind of brought this up in the last week's pod that he is not getting a lot of routes. So that worried me. And then I was high on him because he was playing a good matchup, and then he falls behind Darnell Mooney. Like, it's just I'm, st- I'm pretty much hands off. Jimmy Graham is actually the number two on this team, whether we want to like it or not. He's second on the team in routes. He gets a lot of red zone looks. So he's someone that could be um, on the fantasy viable because Dalton Schultz, uh, Schultz last week had nine for 88 on 10 targets. Greg Olson had four for 21 uh, of 24 and a touchdown in week one. So I think when you're looking at Jimmy Graham, he could be on the fantasy radar this week because of the matchup. And then finally, David Montgomery. Montgomery, we talked about this last week. We saw David Montgomery is going to bounce back, and he did. He looks very good. The things I love about David Montgomery, he ran more routes than Cullen, which is a great sign for him. Like, if he's running more routes and now he's getting more of the lead back work, he's actually not going to just be spelled by Cullen all the time on passing downs. That's a great outlook for him moving forward. I am a little concerned from a ground game's perspective, though, because Zeke got held in check last week by the Falcons. So I think Montgomery's fine from a season-long perspective. You probably fade him in DFS. I think he does look a lot better. On the flip side, if you look at the Falcons, like you said, you just fire them up against the Bears. Obviously, the biggest strength for the Bears right now, it seems to be their boundary corners. And of course, you got Ridley and Julio. So you're not worried about it. I think Matt Ryan's going to be awesome this week. He's probably going to be in my DFS lineup. Uh, I really like what he's uh, what the what teams have done. Like Stafford had a big game without Kenny Galladay, and if Swift catches that touchdown in Week One, we're talking about 300 yards and two touchdowns with no Kenny Galladay. So 
fired up Matt Ryan. Todd Gurley, to me, is the biggest red flag of this group. He is getting zero passing game work. He's only run a route on 34 of 97 dropbacks. That is not good. He's not going to get it done. He's running half the routes that Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage are running. So he's not out there running routes. He's a strictly like a thumper now, which is really odd for Todd Gurley from where he was two years ago. He's essentially a touchdown or bust running back two slash three. I think at home, if he can't get in the end zone this week, we should all be worried. Because at home uh, versus the Chicago Bears team that has looked mediocre against the run, I think that, you know, Gurley can't fall into the end zone this week. I'm very concerned. Uh, as for Russell Gage versus Hayden Hurst, we did talk about last week. It's I think you're going to be looking at these guys from more of a matchup perspective because Hayden Hurst and Russell Gage performed very well last week, but Julio got shut down. We're not expecting Julio to be shut down every week. So I think when you're diving into these games – you probably should be looking at, are they good at tight ends or are they good at covering slot receivers? Because I think that's going to dictate who the number three is that week. Last week, both worked out. I think this week you could play both because, you know, Russell Gage um, versus the slot corner of the Bears. Amendola had a big game versus them in week one. Tate had five for 47, replacing Shepard in the slot in week two. And then Hayden Hurst, we saw Evan Ingram have six catches and TJ Hawkinson have five catches for a touchdown. So I think overall, you can pretty much fire up your, your Falcons. I think you're, you shouldn't be sitting anybody. And I think Matt Ryan's probably one of the best streamers of the week or plays of the week. Russell Gage is the 14th ranked fantasy receiver right now. Julio Jones, just four targets last week. Of course, he dropped a touchdown that was actually thrown by Russell Gage. You never see Julio, first of all, getting close to a touchdown as we know, but definitely not dropping them. He certainly was. It looked like he was a little bit beat up. If you watch the game, Certainly he was taken out of the game uh, from a production standpoint, but it looked like he was hobbled as well. So look, Julio is one of the toughest. He plays pseudo injured pretty much every single week for the last handful of years. So you got to fire him up if he's active, but uh, Ridley has really just stolen the show here uh, for the Falcons. But the great breakdown there on Todd Gurley, that, that does make me a little bit nervous. Um, I didn't expect him to be two years ago, Todd Gurley, but I did expect him at least to be pass catching Todd Gurley and he's yeah. not therefore he is a touchdown or bust uh, running back and, and frankly that's just not somebody that I'm interested in outside of a, a standard league so great breakdown there yeah I messed up on one thing I want to say this I meant what I meant to say is not not in week one we saw DK Metcalf go off against the Falcons so that's why I'm liking Allen Robbins I think instead of Mari Cooper for some reason so ah. Just want to go on record, made the mistake. I've had DK Metcalf on the outside of these Falcons corners. Good, good call. Amari Cooper played the Fa Amari Cooper played the Falcons last week. We're talking yeah. about the Falcons as well. Trust me, man. I have a lot of uh, slips when we're doing it live. I actually I uh, I made a comment yesterday. I had to get a sip of water because I was doing the episode by myself for an hour, and I had to just be like, "Look, I don't have someone else to give me a break, so I can get a sip and <laughs> you know yeah. and, and take a breath." So I was just rolling and rolling and rolling. I'm like, you know what? I got to take a break. Hold on. I took a sip and I was like, you know what? I don't edit this unless there's a, a, a technical error. This is raw. This is organic. This is what we do here. Like <laughs> we do it the one take. So I appreciate the uh, the integrity on the correct stat. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, we, you know, we're, we're rolling organically here. All right, man, let's move on here to the Rams and the Buffalo Bills. Both teams 2-0. and And frankly, both teams have been very impressive so far. Uh, Josh Allen, arguably the MVP at this point. I mean, Russell Wilson's hard to argue with him, obviously. Uh, but, but Josh Allen has been phenomenal as well. Stephon Diggs had a huge breakout game last week. John Brown also still very relevant in fantasy. Then you go on the other side here with the Rams. Really nobody that's jumping off the page. Tyler Higby gets his three touchdowns last week without Gerald yeah. Everett. We said that if Everett was to go down, Higby is Higby. Um, so maybe that's the thing all over again this year. But Everybody else on the team is kind of just getting their stats. You know, Robert Woods saved fantasy owners a little bit with a rushing touchdown last week. Cooper Cup is getting his, but, you know, a little bit nervous about the Rams. Not sure about this backfield. We got a broken finger for Malcolm Brown. We got a rib injury for Cam Akers. We got a really good performance and a missed uh, second touchdown from Darrell Henderson. There's a lot going on here in this game. Um, but I don't know if it's as much candy as we want it to be because both these defenses are also very solid. So break down the Rams and the Bills for me. Yeah, so the Rams, listen, it's it's road golf heading to the West East Coast uh, for a 1 p.m. game. I don't like road golf. I don't like golf when he has to play outdoors against the Buffalo Bills. It seems like something golf is going to have one of those poor performances in, and I, I just don't like the idea of starting golf versus a Bills defense that – Last week, I mean, surprisingly enough, the Dolphins came all the way back, but 
you know, when you watch those games, it's so much of like double digit, down double digits, fourth quarter, you know, getting all this extra, extra passing game work. For, but for the most part, the Bills early on in that game, it wasn't that competitive, I guess. But so I'm kind of fading golf. Now, Malcolm Brown, Cam Akers, I think Henderson's going to be a popular uh, pickup this week, but I'm not feeling it. I think, you know, he only broke his finger or fractured his finger. So I think Brown's going to be fine. He's going to play. I think he's going to be the lead back in this game. I believe he's still going to be the RB1. Cam Akers, rib injury, I think that's something we'll have to monitor. But this backfield's so jumbled that every week it's going to be like, I like the fact when they're going to be at home or favoriting games, and I like them, that's when I'll probably start looking at the running backs. But until we get more clarity, it's a guessing game. I'm sorry. If, I wish I could tell you more. I like Malcolm Brown because he's the goal linebacker. When you talk about the – it's ironic because these two backfields are the same. Bills have – you know, Singletary, and they also have Moss. But it's impossible for these guys to be productive without touchdowns because they're always splitting work. So I think I'm a little concerned. I'm probably not going to waste my fab on Henderson this week. If, you know, if I was going to pick up a running back, I'd go to somebody else. The thing about the wide receivers now, typically I would tell you Tredavious White's going to shadow Woods, right? And that would be a matchup to fade. But the thing is, Woods and Cup are splitting work in the slot. Over the first two weeks, it's only about a 7 or 8% difference between the two. So – Woods is going inside, Cup's going outside. It's not Cup strictly like 75, 80% of his snaps in the slot. It's no, they're splitting the work. So both of them are going to have the ability to be moved around a little bit. You know, Parker had some success last week versus the Bills. So I think that these guys are going to be fine, safe plays. I'm not expecting big weeks from either of them because I'm not expecting a big week from golf. So I think both of them are going to give you the safe, you know, five for 60. And you're going to be like, great. I started a guy who got me seven and a half points and half point PPR or something. So I think that's what I view about them. When it comes to Tyler Higby, uh, it's check the status of the Bills linebackers. So we saw Mike Jaziki go absolutely off against this team for eight for 130 and one. Um, I think Higby in this matchup is actually going to be very good, especially if the Bills are down two of their starting linebackers again. So that's just something throughout the week to monitor to see if uh, those guys are going to be back in the lineup because it was a huge problem. They could not keep up with Jaziki. So I think Higby's probably the number one pass catcher in this game. And then also Chris Herndon had six receptions versus the Buffalo Bills. So that's how I view I'm going to uh, – Tyler Higby is my number one play of the Rams. And then I'm probably still going to start Cup and Woods, but I'm not really excited for either, either of them. Now for the Bills, it's this is going to be their first test. So last week, man, you know, so I write this thing for the shadow coverage. And I talked about Byron Jones shadowing Stephon Diggs, right? In the third snap of the game, Byron Jones goes out and Diggs goes off. Obviously, when you take away the top corner, Diggs is going to go off. Also, the Bills are one of the teams, top three teams when it comes to dropbacks per game. They're throwing a bunch. They're actually way above expectation based on my projections for the year. So this team's throwing a lot. The great news about this, though, is 70, over 70% 70 of the targets are going to three players. That's Beasley, John Brown, and Stephon Diggs. So when 70% of the targets are going to three guys, those guys are going to have safe floors every week. So I think the great thing is Dawson Knox has a concussion, but he wasn't getting targeted. And these running backs are not getting that much targets either. Josh Allen is fixated on three guys. So I think you can keep rolling with Diggs, even though we might see a lot of Jalen Ramsey this week. I'm still going with Diggs because he offers that safe seven, eight, nine targets each week because it's so centralized between three players. Now, when it comes to the running backs, it's a 50-50 split. And honestly, if you, if you do the research that we all do and understand this stuff, like it's you're banking on a touchdown from these guys. We saw Singletary, you know, he's getting you like eight points every week. You know, Zach Moss is not putting up major yards, but he, if he gets in the touchdown, great. But if they don't get in the end zone, then they're not really great fantasy assets. So if you're thinking Moss has a shot at goal line carry this week, then you play him. The problem is for these guys, they have zero upside because the passing game is so focused on wide receivers that you're, you're flipping a coin every week, hoping maybe they score. And honestly, that's just not the way I want to play fantasy. So obviously I like Zach Moss. I think one of these guys needs to get hurt for one of these guys to become a consistent RB2. Until then, it's like you got to play that game. They're at home. Um, are they favored? Does that mean that Moss gets a goal line carry? Because if he doesn't get a goal line carry, he's useless. So I'm not really excited about the running backs. I'm still sticking with Diggs. Maybe fading John Brown because of the fact that this matchup's not going to be this ridiculous pass following. But overall, like you said, the defenses are probably better than we expect in this matchup. Love it. Let's move on to the Washington football team at Cleveland Browns. 
Cleveland gets a statement game against the Bungles on Thursday Night Football last week. They look good. Odell Beckham may or may not have caught a touchdown and missed a second touchdown. Jarvis Landry didn't do much, but both running backs, Kareem Hunt and uh, Nick Chubb, are both top six this week in fantasy points. That is very impressive. Obviously, Baker looked good as well. On the other side, Terry McLaurin continues to get peppered. you got to fire him up. These running backs, Antonio Gibson looked a lot better in this game. Uh, but outside of, of uh, Terry McLaurin, I'm probably going to fade everybody else. Although I have to say, and I'm going to keep bringing it up all season because you were the only person to even mention Logan Thomas before it was cool. Your boys got eight targets in week one, nine targets in week two. I say all the time on my Ballers and Stallers episode, we don't chase yardage. We don't chase touchdowns. We do chase opportunity and we chase targets. And at the tight end position especially, we can chase targets. 17 targets in two games from a tight end is phenomenal, especially if they're definitely the number two in the offense there. So break down the Washington football team up against the Browns. Oh, man, I love it. You're on the Logan Thomas hype train. I'm so excited. And this week he goes against the Browns, who made Drew Sample and CJ Uzama look like the uh, Travis Kelsey and George Kill. Like, it's insane. The Browns are so bad at covering the tight end. Mark Andrews went off in the week in week one. Uh, Sample and Uzama played well in week two. And I think this week Logan Thomas is the start of the week at tight end. Last week he had a little bit of a down week against the Cardinals. The Cardinals look like they turned it around a little bit maybe versus the tight end, but the Browns have not. They are the worst at covering the tight end in the NFL today. And I think Logan Thomas, like you said, getting all those targets, he's the start of the week. The best part about Logan Thomas, he had the same amount of routes and the same amount of targets as Terry McLaurin. So it's Logan Thomas, Terry McLaurin. Those are the two guys dominating routes and targets. He's got to be in your lineups. I love Logan Thomas. Put him in DFS. McLaurin was one of my biggest surprises last week. I thought he was going to struggle a little bit against Patrick Peterson, and, well, that didn't happen. So <laughs> he was fantastic. And this week he gets a team, the Cleveland Browns, that has a bunch of in injuries to the secondary with Greedy Williams and uh, Kevin Johnson are both hurt. So I think with, from that perspective, you got to keep firing up Terry McLaurin, uh, especially because Marquise Hollywood Brown had some success versus this team in week one. And then as for the running back position, so the Cleveland Browns uh, actually have been pretty good against running backs. Uh, they actually have shut down, you know, Joe Mixon. And then Mark Ingram had a terrible game. If it wasn't for Dobbins getting two touchdowns, from a yardage perspective, they were not good. So I'm actually surprised. The Browns' run defense is very good. I think Antonio Gibson might struggle a little bit on the ground. He's going to have to do a little bit more through the air but the great thing about Antonio Gibson this might be your time to buy if you can because he's becoming a workhorse he's a true workhorse he Peyton Barber only got one carry in week two uh, and you know the one thing I'm a little worried about for Antonio Gibson though is outside of the matchup they lost their stud offensive guard Brandon Sheriff for a couple weeks so might be a tough day from the ground game but after this week he might have a down week it's time to go buy Antonio Gibson he um he's only he Basically, uh, I think for the most part, when you see him, he's getting red zone work now, too. So week one, it was uh, Peyton Barber. Week two, they gave the carries to Antonio Gibson. So that's great. He's a he's basically the passing down back now. He's a three-down workhorse. Go get, I think after this week, go get Antonio Gibson. On the flip side, uh, for the Cleveland Browns, we're kind of seeing that low pass volume come to fruition. Like Kevin Stefanski, low pass volume from the Minnesota Vikings, you know, only 24 dropbacks last week for the Browns. So when you're getting such a small slice of the pie, you better hit big like Odell did. Because if Odell gets, he gets such few opportunities, he's got to hit on a big play every week. The good news is he probably should be able to do it uh, versus the Washington Redskins. Uh, I'm sorry, Washington football team, excuse me. Um, and I think that's one thing you can probably keep rolling with Odell. This is going to be the first time that, you know, maybe the Browns are either blown out or getting blown out. They blew out the uh, Bengals, and the Bengals came back late, but they were pretty much up multiple scores. Then they were down big against the Ravens which worries me about the Kareem Hunt. So I looked into this. I was all Kareem Hunt this year. I wasn't excited about Kareem Hunt. But when you look at his stats, he gets so much work. He's out-touched Chubb 14-2 to in the fourth quarter. And that's and most of those touches come in multiple score games. That's a huge red flag. If you're expecting the Browns every week to be down big late in the fourth quarter or up big late in the fourth quarter, that's a game I'm not trying to play. If you look at games when they're in one score in the first half, it's dominated by Chubb. Chubb's getting all that work, and that's a little alarming for me. I think Kareem Hunt might be the biggest sell high for me 
uh, amongst any fantasy player right now because of that. I think you're going to keep rolling with Nick Chubb. I think Jarvis Landry finally breaks out this week. I think this is Jarvis Landry's week. I'm excited for it. We saw um, Riley Fitzgerald get six receptions. We saw Greg Ward in week one manning the slot, getting five. So I think Landry's a start, Odell, Nick Chubb. And listen, you're probably starting Kareem Hunt. You're probably going to get egg in the face at the end of the week. But I'm telling you, it's very odd, his production. So it's a little bit of red flag. And honestly, I'm not starting Austin Hooper until he shows it. So really just sticking with the receivers. And Nick Chubb is my preference. Baker Mayfield in a single quarterback league. Start or sit? Sit. Okay. Let's move on here to the Tennessee Titans at the Minnesota Vikings. This is a this is supposed to be kind of a a, a nitty gritty grind and pound, great defense, heavy run game, play action. I think the Tennessee Titans are going to smash them. The Vikings have looked like one of the worst teams in football, and I can't. Stephon Diggs leaving and their secondary getting dissolved ish that wasn't amazing. That cannot be the only reason. I mean, they lost some some people up front, too, so maybe their defense is worse off than I predicted right. early in the season. But, man, Kirk Cousins literally had negative fantasy points last week. Thielen's getting his. Jefferson looks great, but they don't really have a third option. Tight ends are eh. Dalvin Cook is getting touchdowns, so he's helping fantasy owners, but he's not getting the Dalvin Cook work. Madison, again, is useless until Dalvin Cook goes down if he does, but he's pretty much the same running back. On the defensive side, they are just getting absolutely gashed two weeks in a row through the air. Yeah. On the Tennessee side, Henry has not scored yet, but he has 56 carries in two games. 56 mm-hmm. carries in two games. Phenomenal usage, obviously. Hasn't scored yet. Those will come. Honestly, I think as much as Kareem Hunt might be a sell high, uh, I think you know Derrick Henry is a, a buy low if, yeah. if ever. We got a couple weeks. Guys are getting frustrated if you're in a standard league, and that's where you drafted him higher anyway. He hasn't scored yet. That's what matters in non-PPR. All of a sudden, you might be 0-2 and like, "Uh uh-oh, I got to move a piece here. I think Derrick Henry might be worth going to get. Ryan Tannehill picked up where he was last year. Absolutely, uh, incredibly efficient. I do a start-sit column uh, for Fantasy Football State of Mind every Friday. I also do a waiver wire pickup on Mondays for Fantasy Football State of Mind. And this week, I have three Titans. I have Ryan Tannehill at quarterback. I have Corey Davis and I have Jonu Smith, all his waiver wire pickups this week because, man, the Titans are rolling on all cylinders with or without A.J. Brown. Jonu looked absolutely fantastic. Corey Davis is getting his targets. I think this one's going to be a blowout, even in Minnesota. But break down the Titans and the Vikings for me. (laughs) Yeah, it's funny you said that about Derrick Henry. I literally thought that in my head. I'm like, I would say if you could take Hunt and pair him with somebody and go get Henry, do it in a heartbeat. Now, let's let's talk about this for for. I don't want to spend too much time on this because we'll just we'll get down these rabbit holes. But 30 seconds here. Think about like in a standard league, it doesn't make sense because nobody's even considering Kareem Hunt in a non PPR league. But I think they're much more equal in a PPR league because you don't think of Derrick Henry as a PPR guy, which he's not. He's not involved in the passing game, but he still gets the work. In a PPR league, it seems kind of ridiculous because of preseason and and how these guys are. But look, if you match apples to apples right now in week three, uh, Kareem Hunt's a better value, arguably, in fantasy numbers. So you might be able to make a flip like that or another cheap piece for Derrick Henry. And if you can afford it with other backs and PPR guys for floor, um, man, I wouldn't be against it necessarily. Yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm in on that, man. I, I think I would really like to see – I told you, I'd give you the stats. It's ridiculous how much production Hunt has gotten in the fourth quarter in double-digit games. Like, it is not ideal situation to bank on. So, well, I digress. But anyway, so the Titans, I really like Ryan Tannehill this week. The Vikings have nobody to shut down any of their receivers. Even if A.J. Brown is out, I think uh, – Corey Davis looks like he's kind of having a little bit of resurgence. He does. Uh, he, yeah, he does. He scored a touchdown last week. So I think he's definitely someone that can be once again started um, because last week it looks like the Hilton had a bad game, but a lot of people don't realize he dropped the 45 yard touchdown. He was wide open and he drops it, which just made my head explode because I had him in DFS everywhere. But anyway, uh, Corey Davis, I think is once again, a start. If A.J. Brown is out, I just love that from a target perspective. I think Adam Humphreys in PPR leagues is once again back on the radar. I liked him a lot last week. You could probably do it again if, if uh, A.J. Brown is out. And, of course, John Smith. Look at what Mo Alley-Cox just did to this mm-hmm. team. Five, I mean, five for 111. 
Exactly. So, Jonu Smith, how you doing? Let's get it in there. I know that was one. That was your voice. You must be pretty excited. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's looking. And uh, Derrick Henry, listen, we saw Jonathan Taylor have that Derrick Henry game, 26 for 101 and one. I think that's something we can probably see Derrick Henry do in this game very easily. He's probably do. He's definitely due for a touchdown. So you're rolling with Derrick Henry. On the Vikings side, I, I do like some of the plays. Obviously, I like Dalvin Cook to smash this week. Um, we just saw uh, Robinson do uh, go over 100 yards on only 16 carries versus the uh, t- Titans. So I do like from a matchup perspective. I love Gary Kubiak. I think, you know, Dalvin Cook is getting warmed up a little bit. I think he's going to become – he's going to really emerge as an elite we- uh, weapon for this offense very soon because they're finding their stride without Diggs a little bit. So Kirk Cousins definitely off the fantasy radar, even after Minshew went completely ham last week against his Titans secondary. But I think that's good news for the pass catchers. Adam Thielen, I think he's going to bounce back big. I think a lot of people are going to fade him in DFS because of his bad week. I think you put him right back in. He's going to have another big week. And then it's the Bisbee Johnson versus Justin Jefferson thing. The one thing that's really good about this whole odd, like Irv Smith slash Kyle Rudolph falling off the face of the earth is that it's really centralized a lot of targets. And right now the Vikings are one of the lowest drop back teams in the NFL, but they're so low. Like they're very, they're like on a lower pace than they were last year. So there's going to be some positive regression back in volume for the Vikings very soon. That's going to help Thielen. And then it's really Justin Jefferson versus Bisbee Johnson and Bisbee Johnson uh, outperformed Justin Jefferson in week one. And it was the other way in week two. What I like about Justin Jefferson, he is the primary slot guy. So I do like that little bit of a transition for – I like guys that can complement an outside receiver like Thielen and then Justin Jefferson in the middle because you can have those better matchups. So I am definitely watching this because the Titans' corners are pretty banged up. They don't have a Dory Jackson. They also have Malcolm Butler was banged up last week. We saw Keelan Cole. Remember Keelan Cole? I love it. I love what he did so good last week. It was so great. Keelan Cole in the slot dominated uh, pretty well last week, and I think Justin Jefferson could be a sleeper this week. So he's definitely on the wide receiver three and half point and full point PPR for me this week. I hope you're right about Dalvin Cook, man. It's getting – it's again, he is if – you, if you don't watch all the games and you just happen to check your fantasy lineup at the end of the weekend, Dalvin Cook has a touchdown, enough yardage, and enough points – it it feels okay. If you watch these games, though, you just hit the nail on the head, man. And that's why I love having you break everything down the way that you do. I just you, we speak the same language, and it's refreshing. Um, the dropbacks matter, right? Kirk yeah. Cousins is not only ineffective; they've actually given up a safety two weeks in a row. He's not only ineffective, but unfortunately, they're not getting the Minnesota Vikings staple of run, run, play action, run, run, play action, run, run, play action right? They're run stuffed, pass, pass, third down, fourth down, and they're not getting the workload. That's what worries me about the overall offense. I do agree with you. I think it'll pick up. Jacksonville did pretty well with, I think, an inferior overall offense, but nonetheless, I mean, they need to get it together quickly or they're going to get boat raced. I mean, the Titans so far off to a a 2-0 start. They look great. Minnesota Vikings are are 0-2. I mean, Rodgers is absolutely out of his mind right now. The Bears are 2-0. The Lions are the Lions, but they've been playing well also without Kenny Galladay and no Darius Slay. The Vikings better sober up in a hurry, man, or they're going to get toast straight yeah. up. And, you know, it, it can't be just digs and some, and some defensive replacements. Like, there's some miscommunications overall, and I'm a little bit concerned, but I hope you're right about Dalvin Cook. Mm-hmm. All right, man, we're going to dive into the other four games. Before we do that, quick commercial break. You are tuned into the TCK pod, AKA Candlestick Kids Fantasy Football Podcast. Make sure to leave a rate and review anywhere you listen to your podcast. We much appreciate your honest feedback. You know that we like to grow and participate on that. Also, make sure to find us on Instagram at fantasy football underscore TCK pod and on Twitter at TCK underscore pod. Also, please follow my man, Bobby Lamarco, AKA Fantasy Football X Factor, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter. You can also find them on TikTok and so forth. We're going to dive into the later games tomorrow with our boy Dwayne Lynn, a.k.a. Dewey's Nuts. And on Friday, of course, we have our weekly recap and preview of the TCK Pod Listener Leagues, both the rookie and the veteran divisions with our boy Chris Benavides and the Commish FFP crew. All right, Bobby, let's bust out the rest of these four games here. The Raiders, very, very impressive win. Monday Night Football against the Michael Thomas-less Saints. But nonetheless, a big win. First game in Vegas for the Raiders. They came out. They looked great. They got it done against the uh, Saints. Very impressed there. And look, New England, man, you know, third time's a charm. Wasn't going to work. Everybody thought that play was going to happen with Cam Newton. 
it did happen. The, the Seahawks stuffed him for a three-yard loss, and it was kind of a bozo play. I think one of those Tim Tebow jump passes that he did earlier in the game would have been much better move. Nonetheless, they went for it. Bill Belichick basically said after the game, it's our best play. We're going to ride our best player, our best players, and we lost one. It is what it is. But they look great as well. Cam, in my opinion, is throwing the best I've seen him throw literally maybe ever in his career, certainly over the last couple of years. He looks great. He has low volume still, but his throws are great. He's confident. He's got his swagger. He's obviously running the ball effectively with four rushing touchdowns in two games. That's amazing at your quarterback position. I think this game's going to be awesome, man. And uh, I think the, the, the New England Patriots are going to bounce back. But uh, look out for the Raiders, man. All of a sudden, 2-0, and they've had 34-plus uh, points in two games straight here. I think there's a lot of fantasy nuggets here in this game. Yeah, so the thing I like about the Raiders is they're so focused on so on, on two players. It's it's Darren Waller and Josh Jacobs. And then you look at the rest of their roster, it was one target, two targets, three targets. That's it across the board. It's so much filtered to one guy that it's so it makes it so easy for fantasy. And it's interesting cuz Bill Belichick thrives on taking away team's number one options. So you're going to think that they're not going to let Darren Waller just waltz down the field and dominate them all game. Now, last week, you know, DK Metcalf got, got deep for a one catch and, you know, he beat Stefan Gilmore, which is rare. I mean, a lot of people don't do that. You know, when you have Stefan Gilmore on the outside to shut down uh, any receiver for, for Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf to both look so good, it is alarming. This isn't the same New England Patriots defense of old. So, of course, all that being said, I do believe the Patriots win this game. I think from a fantasy standpoint, obviously, there's no one you're really going to trust outside of Jacobs and Darren Waller. We can move on from there. I think when it comes to the Patriots side, though, Cam Newton, if he's still on waivers for whatever reason, he got to go get him. I mean, he's playing legit lights out. And last week, he, you know, they were two, two yards away from winning that game against Seattle. So I do like Cam Newton a lot. I know this, this is probably going to be my worst take of the week, but Sonny Michelle, uh, so Sonny Michelle uh, at home versus the Raiders. The Raiders are 29th in the NFL in adjusted line yards for defense, and that's, that's a recipe for, for fantasy success on the ground. I think Sonny Michelle could be uh, someone that gets in the end zone this week. I do like the fact that they're playing at home versus a weak Raiders run defense. Edelman is great, man. Honestly, Edelman looks awesome still. Phenomenal. He does He does drop the ball, like, too much. It's so weird. Uh, I had him in a player prop, and, and I watched him drop, like, two passes, and my head almost popped off because I'm like, what are you doing? And he, good thing he, he won. But I think you keep rolling with Edelman because of the fact that he's basically becoming one of the elite target share guys in the NFL because Cam's so fixated on him. I think the sleeper of this game, outside of obviously I just said so Michelle, is Nikhil Harry. So the ways that the teams are beating the Raiders are with speed on the outside. We saw it with Robbie Anderson, and we also saw it with Traquan Smith. I mean, Traquan Smith had a very quiet 80 yards last week. It was a good game for him. So I think I think Nikhil Harry could be also on the fantasy radar this week versus the Raiders secondary that isn't that flashy. It isn't that great. It does get the job done, but it doesn't scare you. And I think Cam can beat them. So I think it's Cam, Nikhil Harry, Sony Michelle, Julian Edelman, Darren Waller, and Josh Jacobs. And that's what you're banking on. Assuming James White returns, are you comfortable yeah. firing up James White? You have to, right? Well, I mean, the problem with James White is we haven't seen him. So in week one, it was uh, a weird four-man committee of running backs. I just don't see necessarily. We saw Alvin Kamara have a nice game through the air versus the Raiders. I think that's what we have to kind of bank on is who, how are you beating? But the problem was the Saints trailed a lot in that game. Saints were down big, uh, a couple scores, and they were down a touchdown. So they threw a lot. Uh, and Kamara racked up catches with no Michael Thomas. So I do think it's okay, but I haven't seen it yet with Cam from James White. He's been splitting work with Burkhead. Of course, Sony Michelle's getting carries. And then J.J. Taylor is sprinkled in there as well, the young rookie undrafted free agent. So I'm not excited about starting White just yet. I think I like White in games where the Patriots are on the road behind. This one, I don't know if it's going to be a big James White game game control or a ball control game. Yeah. And James White, of course, missing last week uh, due to the, the tragic incident with his uh, parents, unfortunately. Uh, so he's only played one game with Cam. Um, not exactly a James White game. I do think that comes eventually because he's just such an integral part of this um, offense. But with Rex Burkhead healthy, who's basically the other James White, J.J. Taylor, as you mentioned, Sony Michelle, while he's healthy. And then let's I mean, let's be real. Cam Newton is basically what Lamar Jackson and Mark Ingram are over in Baltimore, right? I mean, you have yeah. another running back all of a sudden. Now, James White is not the bell cow goal line guy anyway, 
but he's going to take away a third and two, Brady would just flip that out to James White every time for a quick, you know, three fantasy points. Uh, Cam Newton's going to run that every single time, right? So it's just a changing that dynamic of of the offense overall in New England. You're right, man. Julian Edelman looks absolutely phenomenal. So I think Nikhil Harry is a good call there. Also, Demir Bird made it into my waiver wire column this week. Uh, he yeah. actually led the team in targets. And for some reason, watching that game early, Cam Newton fired like six targets in a row to Demir Bird. It was insane. He dropped like three of them and he's bad, but he was just firing. <laughs> and I don't know if it was double coverage for, for Nikhil Harry or, or Edelman wasn't open or whatever, but you know, Cam gets fixed on people and then he goes after it. So I do like Nikhil Harry, of course, Julian Edelman, and uh, if you want to believe in the running backs, you can do that as well. But I think Cam Newton definitely has to be owned in all leagues as well. Well, re well remember, Sky, D uh, Bird was on the Carolina Panthers for a couple of years. So there is some chemistry there between the two. I think that's kind of why they brought in Bird as well, because he played in Carolina for three seasons. That's a great point. And also one of the most adorable things I've seen this season for sure was pregame Cam Newton finding uh, – uh, Greg Olson, uh, warm it up and giving him a big hug. I like to, uh, I thought that was pretty cool. All right, man, let's jump into the San Francisco 49ers and the New York football giants, man. The Niners are beat up. Raheem Mostert out. Tevin Coleman out. Jimmy Garoppolo out. The defensive line out. Debo Samuel out. George Kittle may or may not play, but even if he plays, he's not hundred percent. He might just be a decoy. Richard Sherman out. Uh, yikes we're going yeah. with we're going with mckinnon my boy jeff wilson my boy you know nick mullins jordan reed the ghost of jordan reed making it happen okay uh i'm a niner fan but feel free to convince me on any of those guys and then on the other side uh for new york saquon barkley out for the season uh sterling shepherd toe issue um slayton's been all right but kind of a boom bust uh player evan ingram boomer bust you know, are we going to have Devonta Freeman in New York? Are we going to have Wayne Goldman? Is it Deion Lewis? Golden Tate, I can't trust at this point. Daniel Jones has looked horrible, frankly. And now he's got the 49ers secondary, which isn't the 49ers of last year, but still a pretty solid unit. Man, I have a tough time starting anybody in this game straight up. Yeah, so when you look at Nick Mullins, at least we have a good sample size of what he looked like in 2018 when he started. And in those games, he targeted George Kittle over nine times a game. And when you look at that, you're like, okay, at least he knows where to go with the football. <laughs> so if Kittle plays, he's going to at least just funnel targets to him because he knows he's the best player on the field. That being said, the Giants' uh, defense has been very good against tight ends this year. I mean, obviously they haven't played anybody special, but Eric Ebron did nothing. Jimmy Graham had one catch last week. So it's a little concerning that they have not allowed any production to the tight end. So even if, if uh, you know uh, – Kittle's out, Reed plays, it might be interesting to say, I would say maybe even fading Reed because of the fact that the Giants are pretty good against the tight, uh, tight end. Now, for the running backs, is it time for Jarek McKinnon? He was the hand-picked guy of Kyle Shanahan when he got there, and now it's time to see if McKinnon can do it. The only problem with McKinnon is, is that he's not going to get goal line work. That's going to go to Jeff Wilson. Jeff Wilson did get a decent amount of carries inside the five last year in those limited games, and in the games that he actually got eight or more carries, believe it or not, he had two touchdowns in both those games. Mm -hmm. So anytime he gets extensive work, he's the featured goal line guy and he gets it done. So Jeff Wilson, obviously in a standard league, he might be a dart throw. Um, you know, if you're really desperate at running back, he could fall into the end zone this week. I think McKinnon is a nice player. I think he's going to get some work in the passing game. So, and then we've seen the Giants not do too great against running backs. David Montgomery had a very solid game. Benny Snell had over a hundred yards versus this defense. So I think, Jarek McKinnon's going to be on board. I think another guy we have to talk about that was Kendrick Bourne. So Kendrick Bourne has a lot of chemistry with Nick Mullins as well. So dating back to 2018, you know, Bourne was the number two on the team behind George Kittle and targets during that time. And the thing I love about it was in the fourth quarter when Nick Mullins comes in, he targeted Bourne three times for 49 yards. You know, he had Bourne had most of his production on the day just in that fourth quarter with Nick Mullins. So Mullins and him seem to have something going on between them. I think the matchup might push some more targets towards Bourne because the Giants really haven't done too much against receivers this year, getting beat up by the Steelers, of course. And I think that, you know, Bourne could be on the fantasy radar, especially with his chemistry with Bourne, um, with uh, Mullins. Now for the Giants, it's just horrible. I mean, Barkley just I'm a Giants fan so this is just emotional moment for me to just talk about Barkley mm -hmm. Barkley is special 
The Giants offensive line is not. So when you look at these guys like Devonta Freeman being signed, Deion Lewis has chemistry with uh, Joe Judge from their days in New England, so he's going to get some work. Wayne Gallman's hurt right now, but he was also a healthy scratch last week, so something happened with Gallman. Gallman, and he was out of the lineup. So it's Deion Lewis and Devonta Freeman. I'm not buying either of them. Don't even waste your time. This offensive line is not good. And Daniel Jones is not playing at a high level right now behind a bad offensive line. Jason Garrett clearly isn't the steady hand we thought he was going to be. So I'm not. I'm kind of staying away from this team in the sense of, um, you know, offense with running game right now. From On the flip side, though, Shepard is out. So Shepard got hurt. And Golden Tate, to me, is now the dark horse guy. He's going to take over the slot. And I think you can beat the Niners in the inside. So Hogan and Barrios last week for the Jets had nine catches for 114 yards and a touchdown out of the slot. So I think Golden Tate is actually the sleeper of the week in this matchup. I really do like Tate's matchup on the inside. Slayton, on the other hand, I also like – I love when he gets more volume. So when Slayton's on the field now, first it was Tate was out, now it's Shepard. I think – I told you last week we should fade uh, uh, Darius Slayton because of the matchup. Now I'm thinking you play him. We saw Hopkins have a pretty good game in week one with no Richard Sermon in the lineup we just talked about. I think the fact that we can have so many targets funneled to these receivers because the 49ers are banged up, but the thing they are still decent at is stopping the tight end. So I think Ingram – you know, last week, uh, Herndon had one catch for five yards when, you know, Chris Hogan and Braxton Berrios are going off. So I think the receivers like Golden Tate and Slayton are good uh, plays because it's going to be tough sledding for Evan Ingram and the running game is going to be non-existent. I love it, man. I think that's a great breakdown. It is tough to have, you know, not only one of the, you know, the top two fantasy picks out for the season, Christian McCaffrey, of course, also injured, but um you know, just seeing a talent like Saquon Barkley and just seeing these teams who do not know how to use athletes like Joe Mixon. I mean, people are just going to waste because yeah. these shitty franchises don't know what the hell they're doing and they don't protect these players and they, they get destroyed in the early part of their career and it really, you know, affects them moving forward. It just, it's very, very frustrating. I hey, hear you. Can I go on a Joe Mixon tangent for a second? Sure. One, one minute, one minute, <laughs> one Joe minute. Mixon. Not even, not even. Um, the one thing I'm going to say about Joe Mixon is last year, this offensive line was bad, right? And then all of a sudden Jonah Williams comes in and they're like, okay, this is all fixed. They didn't do anything else on that line. The best player on the line was left tackle Cordy Glenn. Cordy Glenn was the best player and they replaced him with a, a guy who hasn't played a snap in the NFL and everyone thought everything was fixed. It doesn't make any sense. It's an offensive line issue for the, for the uh, Burrow and Mixon. They need to get that all fixed. But once they do, you got to think that's going to be a smash, smash play for those guys. This is why we bring Bobby LaMarco on, fantasy uh, football X-Factor, folks. Perfect professional transition and segue. We're going to get right into the Bengals and the Eagles here. We already went into Joe Mixon. I love me some Joe Mixon, <laughs> but he's already been struggling. Joe, Joe Burrow is the truth. He looks fantastic. My boy Justin Herbert looked fantastic. These rookie quarterbacks, I'm excited to see Tua eventually. Rookie quarterbacks are looking great. A.J. Green, 13 targets. Again, we don't chase production. We chase opportunity. 13 targets. A.J. Green looks old, but he should get work. He's missed about four touchdowns this season, one way or another on throws. Once those start to click, he's going to look great. Tyler Boyd's been excellent. And, again, we saw C.J. Ozama before he went out with a season-ending injury. Uh, and then your boy Sample uh, coming in last week as well. So the tight ends are also involved. On the other side, Carson Wentz, according to Pro Football Focus, Carson Wentz has literally been the least effective quarterback of all 32 starting quarterbacks on the season. That's including Kirk Cousins, who had negative fantasy points last week, including Daniel Jones, who has struggled mightily. Carson Wentz is the one uh, least effective, according to Pro Football Focus, so far. He still has no uh, wide receiving weapons. I love Jalen Rager, but it's basically a deep bomb to see if he can catch it. DJax has been okay. The tight ends are not the tight ends. Uh, that we expected. At least Zach Ertz is not. Miles Sanders came back, looked fantastic, but Boston Scott clearly is more hype than production, unfortunately, there in Philadelphia. Uh, man, there's a lot of fantasy names in this game, but the Philadelphia defense, still pretty good. The Bengals defense, not good, but I'm not confident in, in uh, uh, Wentz, personally. I'm not confident in any of these receivers. I mean, DJX, I guess, in best ball, you already have them, or uh, you know, maybe a standard league or something like that. You got to start Ertz because he's Ertz, but I feel better about Goddard, which makes me feel weird. You got to fire up Sanders. On the other side, you got to start Mixon. You got to start Boyd. You got to start AJ Green. But I'm not sure that I feel super good about anybody 
with these particular matchups? Am I out of line here, or is there an automatic smash here for you somewhere? So the one thing I will say is the Bengals are just on an unsustainable dropbacks pace. They they averaged 56 a game last week. They had 68. That's just not going to happen. You know, I've been tracking dropbacks since 2013. This is just insane volume. It's just not likely. So that's a little concerning because these guys are getting a lot of volume now and they're not blowing up fantasy production. So for this matchup specifically, I lean Tyler Boyd over AJ Green. So obviously it's because, you know, Cup had a productive game five for 81 last week playing in the getting most of that actually in the slot production. Um, I also like the fact that he leads the team in routes and he leads the team in yards. So he also ran 16 more routes in A.J. Green. So he's clearly the number one. And A.J. Green's kind of getting his feet back under him. But like you said, I love A.J. Green's 13 targets, four end zone targets he had last week, zero touchdowns. That doesn't happen. You get a 40% hit rate on end zone targets to touchdowns. He got zero on four. That's going to change at some point. Those are going to turn into touchdowns. The arrow's pointing up for A.J. Green. He's going to turn it around at some point. This week might not be the case, though. He's got Darius Slayton. We saw Slayton shut down Woods on the outside. Terry McLaurin had a very slow game compared to what he did in week two versus Darius Slay. So I'm kind of fading A.J. Green. I'm a little bit higher, higher on Tyler Boyd. I already talked about Joe Mixon. T. Higgins is someone to monitor. He actually passed John Ross this week, and he only ran three less routes than A.J. Green. So T. Higgins is already leapfrogging the depth chart a little bit. In week one, he was playing behind John Ross. This week, he played ahead of him, so that's good news. And then Drew Sample, the last man standing. I think, really, we saw last week the tight ends, 11 receptions, 14 yards. Logan Thomas in week one, four for 37 and one. Tyler Higby, five for 54 and three in week two versus the Eagles. So, true sample. Let's uh, let's get a sample of him in your fantasy lineups this week, I think. A little love, bit of punts. Love that. Love that. <laughs> Stay it hot. <laughs> so, from the Eagles side, you know, like you said, Wentz is struggling. And now they just lost the other guard. So, Brooks was their pro bowler guard. They lost their other guard last week. So, the interior of this offensive line is in shambles. The good news is the Cincinnati's defensive line is in shambles. So Geno Atkins and Mike Daniels, their offseason season acquisition, are out, but they could be back this week. So that's a name to monitor. I think those are things you have to look at because of the, the line, if Geno Atkins is back and he has to face backup guards, that's going to be a disaster because he's one of the best interior pass rushers in the NFL. So I'm a little worried about that. Um, I'm not playing Wentz. I'm sorry. I'm fading him until the line looks a little bit better because he's not performing pretty well. As for Miles Sanders, complete workhorse. I mean, if you don't love his work, he had 23 touches and goal line work and Devonta Freeman signed uh, with the Giants. So it's like that little cloud hanging over everyone's head of Devonta Freeman maybe signing is now gone. I love it. So Sanders, keep riding with him. I think Boston Scott, if you can acquire him, if you're a Miles Sanders owner, just to have him on your bench, I think I would do that because Sanders has been prone to injury. And I think Boston Scott got a bad rap. They had no Lane Johnson in week one. He had a bad matchup. I wasn't a fan of that, so that was tough. As for the receivers, good news is Jalen Rager looks to be um, back and pacing the team in routes. So he actually had more routes run last week than Deshaun Jackson, but Deshaun Jackson led the team in targets. I think DJX is actually a solid play this week. We saw Odell get loose for a deep one against the Cincinnati Bengals in week two. I think Deshaun Jackson could do the same. He got nine targets last week. Follow the targets, like Sky always says. And I think Deshaun Jackson is the clear number one from the receiving core on this team. So I like Deshaun Jackson this week. I'm thinking he's getting loose for one. And then Ertz and Goddard. So they run an insane heavy two tight end set. Goddard and Ertz are basically slot guys. If you look at their slot production, they are the leading slot players for the Eagles. So not just inline tight ends. These guys are playing like glorified slot receivers. And they're both kind of fluctuating in and out. So they're basically using Ertz and also using Goddard as slot guys. So I think that's good news. You love that kind of usage. And then we saw Hunter Henry in week one have a decent game against Cincinnati for five for 73. So I like both guys. I think until proven otherwise, you got to kind of just go with it, play them in good matchups. And I think because they're both glorified slot guys, you know, they could probably definitely beat up on those nickel corners. I love it, man. Great breakdown there. I'm a little bit weary about these Eagles. I just, I have been preseason. I'm still... I'm still a bit, a little bit weary, but I, I like the Bengals, man. This might be a, it's gonna be an interesting game here. We got one more game in. Let's crush it out, and then we have our pickums, of course. Houston Texans at Pittsburgh Steelers. Houston, man, uh, we knew that they had a tough schedule coming in. Um, 
again, Lucas and I had mentioned all preseason that we were fading drafting at least to Sean Watson because of his schedule. He might even get to the point where he's dropped because of people's frustration. I will gladly pick him up as one of the better late season schedules, at least preseason on paper. David Johnson, great week one, kind of disappeared in week two. We don't know what's going to go on with these wide receivers. On the flip side, Big Ben has looked fantastic so far. Juju Schuster uh, has been paced or outpaced, I should say, um, by Deontay Johnson so far and and uh, Chase Claypool only five targets on the season but five receptions great long touchdown last week he looks great and look James Conner as long as he's healthy you put him in your lineup yes. Benny who right last week him and Naheem Hines were neck and neck for the number one waiver claim neither one of them did anything last week man that's how it goes here in fantasy football if James Conner's healthy, you fire him up. If he gets hurt mid-game, you can't control that. you got to fire him up. He's looked absolutely fantastic. Break down quickly the Texans and the Steelers. Yeah, Deshaun Watson probably can be viewed the same way he was against the Ravens. Uh, you know, that wasn't really a productive day for fantasy. Plus, Will Fuller got hurt again. I mean, it's just insane. This guy can't stay healthy. We should have known this. The week one was so good that we knew Will Fuller was getting hurt in week two. But we move on. We move forward. And the good thing is we're moving forward to Brandon Cooks. Cooks took over as the number one wide receiver uh, last week. He looked pretty good. He had a very productive day. I love his matchup, though, too, because Joe Hayden and the Pittsburgh Steelers can be, be beat by speed. And we saw it with Darius Slayton got him uh, for one deep in the first with the Giants. So I really like Brandon Cooks, especially if Fuller's out. I think Brandon Cooks can be in your lineups um, from that standpoint. As for the running back, David Johnson, uh, you know, Oh, man, what a, a disappointing game against the Ravens as the workhorse. I mean, Duke Johnson was out of the game. I'm a little worried about David Johnson this week. I probably would try to fade him if I can because they're on the road. Uh, and I also don't – I think Duke Johnson will be back. So, Duke Johnson and him are more of a 1A, 1B than I think most people think. So, I'm probably fading David Johnson, starting Brandon Cooks. Jordan Akins is actually someone we probably should monitor because he was second on the team in routes and targets – and he had seven catches for 55 yards versus the Ravens. And we saw last week uh, Noah Fant had a decent day, four for 57 against the Steelers. So I think Jordan Akins needs to be someone that you monitor, especially if you're someone who, for example, had a George Kittle and didn't get Jordan Reed and you're trying to stream a tight end or whatever. I think Jordan Akins is getting the routes and he's getting the targets. And if Wolf Fuller is out, I think this could be a good matchup for him. He could get the looks because I'm not really feeling uh, Cobb and the rest of the guys in the receiving court. As for the Steelers, the Texans' defense is not really scary. So I think you're going to roll with James Conner. I'm so happy. Honestly, I was so high on James Conner that my heart broke in week one. I almost quit fantasy. I almost called you up and said, I can't do it anymore, Sky. I'm done with it. James Conner's out. I have him in almost every league. I can't mm -hmm. do this. And then I benched him in most of my leagues, and sure enough, he goes off. So I'm very happy he's back. He's a bell cow. I think you're going to start him, obviously, this week. Juju Smith-Schuster, keep rolling with him. Deontay Johnson is very nice as well. So I think the uh, Steelers, Big Ben, you're rolling with those guys. Obviously, we saw last week, you know, Lamar Jackson actually didn't have a major game, but they didn't really need to. So I think that's kind of what my, I kind of why I stay with the Pittsburgh Steelers. We saw Big Ben do it last week against Denver, who's probably much better defense than we uh, than the Houston Texans. So sticking stick with the Steelers. And I'm not really interested in Eric Ebron until he proves something, so. I totally agree, man. Great breakdowns per usual. Hey, we got it. Just a couple minutes. Let's quickly blaze through your versions here. Uh, the early games. Let's do the pickums again. No fluff. We've already given all sorts of uh, analytics. We're just strictly going to mention two teams. You pick one of them. I'll let yeah. you know who I'm going with as well. Last week, last week you were ten and O, my man. We didn't do all sixteen because you just did the early rep, but you were ten. And oh, last week. So let's keep it going here with the undefeated pickums. Again, no Vegas lines, no spread, straight up pick them, win, lose. Who you got? Bears at Falcons. Falcons. I'm going to go with the Falcons as well. I think they bounce back and get a W here. Big game for Julio, too. I'm going to throw that out there. Rams at Bills. Bills. I agree there as well. Washington football team at Cleveland Browns. Washington. All right. I'm going to go with the Browns at home. I think they look good on Thursday. I'm going to take them one more time. Tennessee Titans at the Minnesota Vikings. Titans. I agree there as well. Minnesota looks pretty rough so far. Hopefully they can bounce back at home. Las Vegas Raiders 2-0 against the 1-1 New England Patriots. Yeah, Patriots. Patriots at home. Hard to bet against them. I'm going to go with them as well. San Francisco 49ers, New York Giants, probably the most collective injuries <laughs> in the entire NFL. Yeah, San Francisco. 
I agree. I think they're going to have enough done. I hope my boy Nick Mullins can get it done. Cincinnati Bengals at Philadelphia Eagles. Eagles. I'm going to go with the Eagles as well. Don't really feel good about it, but I do think that they're going to have enough on the defensive front to slow down Joe Burrow. But, man, I do think Joe Burrow is going to start turning some of these automatic traditional Bengals losses into some upset wins, and this could definitely be one of them with the Eagles uh, struggling just as much. Finally, Houston Texans at Pittsburgh Steelers. Steelers. Steelers as well. All right, man. You were 10-0 and 0 last week. We got eight more games on the slot. Let's see if we can get to 18-0, and 0, bro. <laughs> that would be a pretty incredible start there for sure. You'll have to start putting some, some money down on the Vegas odds. Hey, man, we're going to get out of here. Before we do, please, Bobby LaMarco, one more time. And every single uh, Wednesday moving forward, I'm very honored to have you on on a consistent basis so far. Please let the TCK Potters know once again where we can find your content. Yeah, well, first I want to thank you and your your followers, guys. I'm really excited about the season. So I want to first shout out to you guys for having me. Uh, you can follow me on pretty much all the social medias, Instagram, uh, TikTok, you know, Twitter, all at Fantasy Football X Factor, and Twitter's at FFX Factor. Also go check out my articles on Razzball, football.razzball.com. I talk about shadow coverage. And also expand the box score. I go over opportunity analysis where I dive into all the volume projections for the year and see what teams are due for a positive or negative regression in past attempts. Excellent, man. Bobby LaMarco, always a pleasure to have you on here, brother. TZK Potters, go show some love. Y'all know how we do it on here. Tomorrow, we're going to bring on our boy, Dwayne Lynn, a.k.a. Dweez Nuts. And on Friday, we're going to be bringing in the Commission FFP to break down the TCK Listener League Rookie League, and Veteran League. This is episode 267. We hope you have a wonderful rest of your Wednesday. We'll catch you tomorrow for the late game previews. For Bobby LaMarco, I'm Scott Guasco, and we are out of here. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.